Welcome to the Behind the Brawl podcast brought to you by Barbells for Boobs, where we believe in rad rest healthcare for all and strive to improve quality of life post-diagnosis. I'm your host, Ziana Hansen, and the founder of this incredible organization. Thank you for joining us. Today, we actually have a, a, a co-host joining in on this podcast. So we're going to give a big, big round of applause ah, to you, Keisha Hart. Um, our mission manager here at Barbells for Boobs is joining in. Welcome, Keisha. Thank you. So excited to be here. <laughs> She's so nervous. I'm so nervous. You guys. It's going to be okay. We're going to all get through this. But today, our guest on the show is Stephanie McLeod, a breast cancer survivor, athlete, wife, mother, CrossFit box owner, and also just holding down a full-time job with the Monroe Public School District. Welcome, Stephanie. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. A little nervous, but so excited. A little nervous. It's okay. It's okay. I was, you know, I finally, those nerves are finally subsiding for me where I feel a little bit more comfortable in talking and I'm on like podcast 30. So <laughs> it's yeah. okay. We're in this together. Okay. We are in this together. <laughs> wow, Stephanie, you're, all the hats that you wear are incredible. I, I first found out about you when you joined a Radwad. Um, and joined the Zoom class, and you're just this like, no, I'm just a box owner, and I'm just, you know, <laughs> I'm like, she's a total badass. Well, thank you. That was a tough um, one that day. You caught me off, caught me by surprise that day. <laughs> you're like, I'm, trying, I'm gonna join this little this little rad wad thing. <laughs> I wanted to check it out. I mean, we were doing Zoom classes at the time um, for our athletes, so it's not you know easy for me to get to join, but I wanted to check it out just so I had the experience of it, but. Well, we you left a mark on my heart. offering several Zoom so. classes a day to our gym, so. And you're like, another Zoom class? I can't do it. <laughs> it was nice to not be the coach, though, so. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm going to start the podcast with the same question I ask everyone, which is, who are you? So thinking um, and, like, giving us a, a story of who you, like, where did you grow up? Where, where like, who were you the day before you received your breast cancer diagnosis? Um, well, I live in the same community that I grew up in, um, next school district over. Um, I had a pretty normal childhood, had an older sister growing up, mom and dad, they're both still alive, um, healthy, doing well. Um, was, you know, active in all kinds of clubs and things in high school. I was a um, competitive cheerleader. Um, and after I graduated from high school, I um, was going to try out for the University of Toledo um, cheerleading team, went down there. Um, I had to learn how to partner stunt. So I was never like the small, skinny girl. I was always, um, you know, just more average size. So I was always on the bottom of the stunts and I had to learn how to fly. So my coach brought in this, this guy that was a coach in an another school district in the area. Um, and she, he learned, he taught me how to fly, basically. Some pretty simple stunts. Um, he, but he asked me at the time, you know, I'm going to be... I'm going to be hiring a coach. Um, if you don't make it on the team, do you want to um, come and coach for me? So I ended up going down to Toledo. And at the time, Michigan was the only state in the country where um, competitive cheer was considered a sport. So when I went to Toledo, it was very different. Um, and I did not really feel like it was a good fit for me um, in terms of like the style and things. So I came and I kind of knew I had this offer waiting. So came back um, to my friend at the time and, and said, yeah, sure. I'd love to coach for you. So long story short, we coached together for three years, um, and started dating. And, 
Um, and the plot thickens. And the plot thickens. Yeah. So I had been dating a guy for like almost five years when I when I started coaching. Of course, I was only eighteen. Um, three years later, you know, we Ryan and I were good friends, but um, three years later, my boyfriend and I broke up. We started dating, and then six weeks later, we got engaged. So um, we will be married twenty three years this October. Um, what? So that's amazing. It was a good choice at my young age of, um, 20 getting engaged at 20, which is crazy. Cause I have a 20 year old daughter. Um, so I can't wow. even imagine her making that decision, but, um, so yeah, we've been married for, um, almost 23 years. He is a, um, was a teacher. Um, then he moved into school administration, um, earned his doctorate. And so now he is a superintendent in a, a school district about an hour from where we live north of where we live. So, um, he also works out, does CrossFit with us, but, um, is super active in our, in our business. But, um, and over the last, you know, 20, almost 23 years, we, we have three daughters. Um, one is Kate. She is going to be 21 next month. I have Chloe who is 19 and Emmy or Amelia, we call her Emmy is, um, just turned 16 this past winter. So um, great girls. I'm really proud of all of them. Um, Kate is working and living on her own. Chloe is in the Honors College at the University of Toledo studying chemical engineering. Um, and so I don't know, you can tell Toledo keeps popping up. We live um, about halfway between Detroit and Toledo, so we can kind of get to both places. But Chloe lives on campus there. And then I have my youngest daughter, Emmy, who... Um, is a phenomenal student. She plays the violin. Um, she's active in school. Um, so I love my girls. Very proud of everything they've done and how hard they work. Um, they've all been great students. Um, so I work in the same school district where they all have either graduated from or go to school. Um, and then stay coaching competitive cheer, though. Um, I coached for 12 years. Um, we had a really successful program. Um, we went to the state finals five times my, while we were coaching together, Ryan and I, um, and had our daughters through all of that and eventually just got to the point where we had to say, we can't do this anymore. He was working as a school principal. I was trying to, you know, drag three girls with me everywhere we went to practices and competitions and tournaments and things. So we kind of stepped away from that. Um, and then, um, I started working full-time at that point and um, got involved in CrossFit because I had gained quite a bit of weight and kind of that's a whole, goes down a whole different rabbit hole, but um, I missed coaching desperately. So when the opportunity to coach came along, I jumped on it, but that is, that's, that's my just, story. That's your American dream. dream. <laughs> the short story. Yeah, I work for the local school system, um, started as a secretary, just part-time. I have a friend who, you know, was kind of wanted me to apply for the job. And through that, um, through the last, I think it'll be my ninth, my 10th year maybe this coming up. Um, I work now in our state and federal programs department. So I provide services for homeless and foster students and their families. Um, and I coordinate some testing for our English language learners and things like that. So lots of paperwork, but lots of, um, I get to provide lots of services for kids and their families, which I love. So work pretty wow. closely with our shelters in town. Um, to make sure that, you know, our kids have what they need to be as successful as possible under the circumstances. So you're amazing. That is yeah, doing that, doing oh, that every day, you. you must have a totally different just lens and perspective on 
you know, life itself, I, you know, like just having a roof over your head and, and what your daughters yeah. are able to do. And, um, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's such a beautiful reminder that you get to do that work every day. And it's a reminder, I think, um, to yeah, really- it kind of helps you remember to not take the little things for granted, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, um, wow. you know, going out in the morning and grabbing a loaf of bread out of the freezer, things like that become very, mm-hmm. you know, you just, I think you notice, you know, I, I notice things more maybe sometimes because I see, you know, families that have nothing. And, and so it does, it does. I am very thankful for everything that we have in our lives. So that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So there was a few things that you had mentioned in your, uh, your storytelling that I, I want to kind of just unfold a little bit because I think they're interesting topics. Um, first of all, you went from a base to a flyer and cheerleading. <laughs> <laughs> Well, who does I mean, I didn't do any like amazing stunts. You know, we learned how to do like the basics for me to be able to try out. Um, My husband actually was a cheerleader. He coached, he cheered in high school. Um, He was already coaching at airport at that time, which is, I know it's a weird name, but that's one of the names of our neighboring school districts um, is airport schools. And so he was already coaching there. I didn't really know who he was. I just knew him as like the coach. Um, and he cheered at U of M university of Michigan has a, De- a Dearborn campus and he cheered there. So he had quite a bit of experience as a, as a male, you know, cause female partner, females, male stunting is very different than mm-hmm. all female stunting. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it wasn't like phenomenal stunting, but, um, I learned the basics. But still, so. really, but still really brave. <laughs> I was a flyer. Yeah, no, was I was a flyer was too. <laughs> I was not. I mean, I was a solid, you know, 135 in high school. So I wasn't leaving the ground with any girls. That's for sure. Not when there were 100 Yeah, but you did it because they down. didn't let me go past freshman year. So oh. you did it. So I commend you on all of that. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, those, yeah, were, I, those were good times. Coaching was, um, there are definitely um, parts of coaching that I will, there were some of my favorite memories of my lifetime. In fact, one of my girls that was, on my very first cheerleading team when I was 18 years old is now a member of my gym. So she's like three years younger than me and um, one of my best friends now. And so it's just crazy how life comes full circle. And we have several, actually uh, several members of our gym are, we're old cheerleaders of ours. So it's been super cool. I, I, I mean, I was a cheerleader until I got kicked off the team, but I, I think that cheerleading, <laughs> cheerleading is, were you kicked off? I was kicked. They wouldn't let, I tried out sophomore year and they said, yeah, no, you're done. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> I got kicked. Yeah. My reasons are a little different, but <laughs> we'll share those on another podcast. <laughs> but, but I think that the statement of that it was, um, cheerleading was, you had said something like cheerleading wasn't considered a sport or was the talk a little bit more about that. So we were the first state, um, in the country. So my senior year was 1994. Hello. That's really a long time ago. Um, but my senior year (laughs) was high school. school, Correct. Yes. And so (laughs) that year was the very first year that cheerleading was considered a sport under our state athletic association. Um, so it had been in the works for several years, but that was the first time that we, you know, went through the, the process, like other sports of going to, you know, regionals, going or districts and regionals, then, you know, all of those pieces and then going to the state, you know, having a state championship that fell under the same organization as football mm-hmm. and basketball and all those things. And then, so, you know, I stayed in that program 
um, you know, coaching under the MHSA umbrella for, you know, I, I mean, what, I think I cheered that, that year. And then for, I think 12 or 13 more years I coached. So, wow. I think yeah. it's, I, I, I always get so in, inspired by just kind of the progress that women have made in sports period. I mean, mm-hmm. I always kind of go back to weightlifting became a Olympic sport for women in year 2000. Like it's so current, right? Wow, like we're trying, yeah, it became an Olympic sport in year 2000 where women could actually compete in weightlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that there's so much um, history that's so close to us um, for women in sports and athletics. So anytime yeah. I, I hear something like this, I'm like, this is so, because cheerleading, I mean, definitely your husband is a special man being a cheerleader. Like any man I cheerleaded mm-hmm. with was a, was an angel. Um, but it was definitely a, a, a predominant female driven oh, sport. Sure. And so seeing sure. it get status, like we I know that when I cheerleaded. Um, sorry. No, everybody kind of knew who we were because we were like the married couple in the state. Um, mm-hmm. So that was good and bad. Um, but, you know, we had a pretty successful program. It was, I, I would still say one of the hardest decisions of my life to walk away from that program because we had worked so imagine. hard to build a really strong program. Um, and we just couldn't, it became, you know, choosing between putting our kids in their own activities and being at practice. And, you know, it just got to be, it was just really getting to be too much. So it was time, but it was, you know, it was heart wrenching. Like we loved our girls, we loved our families. Um, you know, and we just, I, I think we put it off for a couple of years past when we probably should have done it because we tried to make it work. Um, and it just got to be too much, but we, we still communicate with most, especially through Facebook now, most of our athletes. So thank goodness for That's Facebook. Incredible. What a great thing to be a part of and just that you set that foundation and you got to be a part of it and see it grow and then leave your mm-hmm. le- like legacy mm-hmm. there. And then because of social media, now you get to see where all your hard work went into and get to see them grow also. So, so that's amazing. So one of our old cheerleaders is, has the program now and we were nominated, uh, we were inducted into the airport community schools coaches hall of fame this past fall. So that was really cool ah. too. And the, the girl that I, um, mentioned before Aaron was, we had to find somebody to kind of introduce us and, and the one that joined my gym and she was the, the person that we got to bring back to kind of tell our story, introduce us. So it's just been the coolest year, like to have to, you know, some of the hardest things in my life have been in this last year, but also some of the absolutely coolest parts of my life have happened in this past year. So that's awesome. So when did you start finding CrossFit and just in general, just your fitness? Yeah, I, I was going um, yeah, to kind of transition to this because you said that there was weight gain. Like, obviously, I think oh, yeah. that in life we get distracted and kind of almost like caught up into our just day to day that for whatever reason, the number one thing that tends to just get put on the back burner is our health, um, especially for women, because we're always putting others in front of us or somebody's else, mm-hmm. somebody else is always more important so, than us, especially when you're a mom. <laughs> so let's get, let's dig into right, that. Right. And I think that was part of it was, you know, my girls were little. And so there was that, you know, you're constantly, my girls were only a couple of years apart and there was just that constant mom, mom, you know, toddlers climbing all over you. Um, and then I started working full time, like I said, and so I, I became, um, pretty sedentary in terms of just like sitting at a desk for eight hours a day. Um, and so I don't know exactly how much weight I gained, but over how long, but I do know that when I started CrossFit, I weighed 222 pounds. 
Um, so I had put on quite a bit of weight. Um, and you know, I just remember I went to, my daughters were, um, very active in a, a ballet company. Um, and so they would go away to camp for two weeks every summer. And we went over to the other side of the state to drop them off. And we stopped at a beach and we, I felt really cute that day. Like I'd done my hair and cute outfit on. And the picture, I remember seeing the picture afterwards and I was so like disappointed. Like, I'm like, that doesn't even look like, it doesn't look like I feel like, I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm, I look healthier than that. And, um, that picture became like, you know, the jumping off point, I think for everything, because I just, I felt, I always tell people, I feel like I should have been able to like unzip this fat suit and step out. Uh, and that like, Mm. this is who I really am. Um, and so I, there actually was another CrossFit gym in town that was in the same, um, building as where my girls danced. And so I would, and they were new, but I would see what, like, what's going on in there. You know, I would kind of like peek my head in there, um, and then one day I just called and, <laughs> yeah, and, on? and I've never, t- I had never touched a barbell at my, at any point in my life at that point. Um, but I kind of, you know, just called up the owner and went in for a class and was, I, I, maybe one of the more nerve wracking points in my life was going in for that first class, but, um, you know, fell in love with it and was really committed. And once you I walk kinda, in that you class. Know, became, yep. Well, once you walk into that, yeah, once you walk into that class, they don't let you go. They make you you do the workout. They're like, nope, sorry, you're here now to stay forever. Yeah. All you have to do is walk in. That's all you got to do is walk in. That's it. Yeah, you can't leave. Nope. I ended up starting like Mm -hmm. a three day a week person and pretty quickly became somebody that was going, you know, five or six days a week um, and fell in love with it. And I lost 40 pounds pretty easily. um, And, you know, just kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, well, I feel good, but I wanted to kind of get to the next level. So um, maybe two years ago, two and a half years ago, coming up on, I had signed up with Black Iron Nutrition um, and lost like an additional, um, like 40, another 40 pounds about. So um, it's been a little tough keeping it off lately. I'm not going to lie with quarantine, but um, quarantine life. Yeah. Still working (laughs) with my coach at Black Iron um, and, you know, loving CrossFit. Like that's never changed, but How long, how long ago was this that you found CrossFit? Uh, it'll be five years next month. Well, this month, it was in July. So it'll be five years this month. Wow. So yeah, life-changing for sure. Absolutely life-changing. So becoming more aware of your body, losing all this weight. Did you eventually like find a lump or like what was like, what eventually happened? Yeah. So I tell people that losing that weight saved my life because I don't think Mm. I would have ever felt the lump. Um, had I still, I was very large breasted when I was heavy. So I was like a very solid D cup. Um, by the time I lost all my weight, I was barely filling a B cup. <laughs> like it was getting really, cause I was pretty lean at that point. Um, mm-hmm. and so I had noticed a lump must've been around Christmas time of 2018. And so I was like, well, you know, like my breasts feel very different because I lost all this weight and they're, you know, they're kind of lumpy and, you know, you just don't know what, like I was kind of relearning what my breasts felt like without all that extra fat on there. Um, so I didn't really think a whole lot of it, but then it just kept every once in a while, I would like bump my finger against the spot on my left breast. And so I hadn't ever had a mammogram, believe it or not, I'm embarrassed to say. 
So at 40, <laughs> that was going to be my three. first, that was going to be my next question was yeah. like, how many mammograms have you had at this I point? <laughs> yeah. Not real proud of that fact. So, um, no, it's fine. finally went to my family doctor who also does all my, you know, gynecological care. So she said, well, you know, I think like most doctors, well, it's probably not anything, but I'm going to send you for an MRI or a um, mammogram. And she said, they're probably going to want to do an ultrasound. Um, and so that was, I don't know the exact date when all that happened, but it was mid April of 2019. Um, so I went, this is last, this is all last year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It just happened in the last, how, how old were you or how old you're 44, right? So you were, I'm 44 now. I was 43 43. when I, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so had the, had the mammogram, then they take me into the ultrasound, which I still wasn't super nervous because she had told me they were probably going to do that. But then the nurse or the ultrasound tech said to me, has this lump gotten any bigger? And I knew, I just knew at that point. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm sure I gave her the spiel about losing weight. And I said, I don't, I don't really know. And so she did her thing. And then, um, and I'm by myself. I, and I remember it was Good Friday. Um, so there wasn't a lot of people around in the offices, but she brought me back into the radiologist's office and he said, well, we think it could be cancer. And of course I'm like, well, could it be anything else? And he's like, well, we don't really know. I'm going to have you come in for a biopsy. So I had, um, the biopsy done on the 24th of April. So And everything kept like falling on like weekends. So I would get like a test on like a Thursday and then I wouldn't hear anything till like the following Tuesday. So by far, and everybody says this, I think the waiting is the worst part. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember going to my family doctor, um, waiting for the biopsy results and saying like, I can't, I'm going to lose my mind. Like I can't do this. And so she gave me a prescription of Xanax. Um, And that Mm. honestly, like it helped. It helped me kind of get through those days. Um, so the following Tuesday, April 30th, I was at work in a meeting. I have a standing Tuesday morning meeting with um, some of my coworkers. And I actually had been like, we go around and kind of talk about things that are going on and things we have questions about and fill each other in on families and things. Um, and I was kind of doing my presentation at that point and her phone number popped up, the doctor called and I said, Oh, I Mm -hmm. have to take this call. And so I walked to the back corner of our administration building um, and the doctor said, um, it's cancer. And so I like sunk to the floor. I said, oh, I just remember saying to her, am I going to die? And she said, oh, I don't. And I know my doctor um, a little bit outside of, like we have some mutual friends. So we've been at dinners and things together. We know each other a little bit, you know, and she said, oh, I don't know. Like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. So she was fabulous. She got me in with a local surgeon that afternoon, which is kind of unheard of. Yeah. And, wow. um, and we have a very kind of a, yeah, we have kind of a small hospital in our community. Um, it's part of a bigger organization. So he got me in and he said, he looked at it and he said, well, you're probably going to have to have a lumpectomy. Um, you know, I just remember him saying, and it's very like a big blur. A lot of that. Um, when I, when I got the phone call from the doctor, of course, I went back into the meeting and grabbed all my stuff and left. I didn't say anything. I just said, I have to leave. They all kind of knew something was up. There's only like maybe seven people in the meeting, um, got in the car and I called my husband who answered right away. And he's very hard to get a hold of at work just because of his job. Um, but he answered because he knew that we were on pins and needles waiting and he answered and he, he said, okay, well I'm coming home. And so it was, you know, almost an hour, um, until he got home. I called my mom, 
um, talked to my mom and dad live in Tennessee now. So my mom was, you know, crying and, um, there wasn't lots and lots of tears. I think there was lots of shock. Yeah. Um, just like, how can this be? I've not, I had never been fitter in my life. I mean, I was down to like, I was so, so in shape. I mean, I was killing the wads at the box, like at the top of the leaderboard every week, you know, top couple spots against girls that were 20 years younger than me, you know? And so I was so excited about like my fitness and how well things were going. And, and so that was like a huge kick in the teeth to be like, I worked so hard for all of this. And yet here I am in this position that you think happens to people that are not healthy. And so that was kind of a hard place to get those two things to fit in my head. Like I can still be healthy and go through cancer treatment. Like it was, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm still over that completely, to be honest. But um, so my husband came home, we went to the surgeon and, and I do remember him saying that that afternoon, this will be a blip on the screen of your life someday. And I kind of hung on to those words um, that, that, that I would be able to get through this. And so one of my very best friends was getting married in Florida that Friday or that weekend. We were leaving, thir- I think, Thursday night. And so I said, well, can I go to Florida? He's like, oh, absolutely. Like, live your life. Like, you know, this is going to be a process. And, you know, of course, you, I want everything like planned out and, and dates. And, and it, I learned lots of patience through this process, lots of testing, lots of waiting, um, lots of, you know, more results led to more testing. Um, it was it was quite the process, but I did go to Florida. I, we didn't tell anybody. I did tell my friend who was getting married because I knew she would know something was wrong. I actually drove to her house that afternoon and told her because she was leaving and kind of cried a little bit together. Um, and she told her sister-in-law, we were the only ones who knew um, at the thing. Cause I didn't want anybody to, I didn't want to detract from her wedding at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then came back home and kind of just put our, I kind of tried to put it out of my head as much as I could that weekend, but it was so new. Like the diagnosis was so new that it was. And at that point, like I didn't know stages. I didn't know anything. So it was like, am I even going to be here in a year? was like the frame of mind you have, you know, I didn't know anything other than I had this kind of cancer. They didn't even know what kind it was. Uh, I did know that. I take that back. It was lobular, invasive lobular cancer, um, which is I guess less common than the ductal. yeah, it's it's so hard to share that news when you don't have the, any answers to the questions that people are going to be asking you. So right. and I think I, the you easier know, I didn't thing even is know what like, I didn't know. Like mm-hmm. it, every answer gives you, you know, 10 more questions when you go through this process yeah. of so yeah, many decisions, so many decisions. So came home and then we kind of had to make some decisions about where we wanted. We had been kind of talking through some of the things, but I I didn't want to stay in Monroe for treatment. Um, I knew that I wanted to go to a bigger hospital. Um, so we had worked on getting me into the University of Michigan. Um, they have a breast care center, like a clinic that's just for breast care. And the doctors down here, the doctor was fabulous, but they, like, he's a general surgeon. Like, he's, he takes care of everything in the human body. I wanted somebody that dealt with breast cancer specifically and had lots of experience. So I, I'm so glad that that's the decision that I made. U of M was fabulous. Um, they still, I mean, I still go, they still are. Um, but that was a really good decision on my part. So, um, yeah, I was diagnosed April 30th, had my first appointment. Um, I'd go through and find all these dates because I'm not a big date person. (laughs) So I couldn't remember (laughs) the dates of everything. I remembered the timeline. Um, 
had my first appointment at U of M on May 13th. So I had to wait two weeks to get in. And then he sent me, they did their own imaging there. They wanted their own imaging. And this is where it starts to get a little, um, so many, there were just so many decisions. And I have a really busy end of the year stuff going on at work. So that was really tough too. Um, and I was already coaching CrossFit at this point. I had started coaching, um, in February. So I'd only been coaching for a couple months when all this kind of started to happen. So, um, when I had my MRIs done there, the information that they came back with was that instead of one tumor in my left breast, there were two. And then in between the two tumors, there were like little, they called them foci, like little speckles of what they didn't, they didn't know what they were. So, um, he said, if I only take, he said, if it's bigger than, I think he said 5.3 centimeters, you have to have a mastectomy. If it's under that, you can have a lumpectomy. My breasts were, are so small or were so small that there, he said, if I do, if it's anything bigger than that, there won't be anything left to have a breast. So we would just recommend a mastectomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he wanted to more, a more um, clear image. So they sent me for an MRI. Um, it was terrible. It's probably one of the worst testing procedures I had done. Um, I'm sure other women that have had the breast MRI will... I, I didn't expect it to be so bad. I had to lay on my belly. Your breasts kind of are down in these like mm-hmm. tubes and you, it's really loud. I had never had an MRI like that. They put music. It's just really uncomfortable. Like you have, you're laying on this um, like metal band across your forehead and it's like smushing into your, like your head. And it's just very, it's very uncomfortable. And I, I don't do well with small spaces like that. Um, so it was a little bit, I had taken a couple Xanax before <laughs> to prepare for that. I was going to say, um, did, they, did they prepare you? Did they kind of tell you how bad or just kind of how uncomfortable the MRI was going to be? No, they didn't. Um, so and listen up, ladies out there. If you're going to get an yeah, MRI, take the Xanax. <laughs> take the Xanax. Absolutely. I don't know that it would have helped me. It might have just made it worse. Um, the girl mm. was great. Like the girl was really good. Um you know, the, the, it wasn't anything they did. It's just that it was just an uncomfortable test. Um, so when those results came back, he said, so now I'm working with like a nurse practitioner because I don't get to talk to the surgeon very often, but, um, only when I go up there, but she said, you know, he's recommending a mastectomy. So then, then the decision becomes, um, what do I do with the other breast? Do I have them both removed or just the one? Because there was no evidence at this point that there was anything in the other breast, um, I think so this is was, the hardest, this is, that's the hardest decision that I hear mm-hmm. is when it's not it's found in the surreal. other one. Yes. Yep. And Cause you think like, that you would be, know, you would think like, oh, if this happened to me, <clears throat> this is the decision I would make. But then when you're in that moment where you actually have to make that decision, it's not so easy. Mm-mm. Yeah. I think even through the course of trying to decide if I was going to just have the lumpectomy, I was still kind of leaning towards a mastectomy even though that the, the lumpectomy at that point, you know, in the initial stages was on the table as an option. I didn't really, like, I don't, not that it can't come back, but that I wanted to, you know, get rid of any ability for it to return. So there was still that in my head that I'm thinking I might still just do a mastectomy. Um, and so I'm trying to, this is where it gets a little fuzzy for me, but I ended up deciding, so then they wanted, there was conversation about, um, in Michigan at U of M, I should say at the University of Michigan, they will not put in implants if you have to have radiation because Mm -hmm. they don't think that the skin tolerates 
radiate my, my skin tolerated it terribly anyways, but it, it damages the skin and the implants. Um, and it wouldn't have been implants. It would have been, um, expanders, but they said it's very hard on the skin to try to radiate it while you have expanders in. So if I would have had cancer in my lymph nodes, I would, I would have had to have radiation, which meant that I couldn't have the expanders put in. But if I knew going into the mastectomy that I wasn't going to have radiation, then I could get the expanders put in that same day, which would have totally taken out one extra surgery. Does that make sense? It's kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I wanted yep. to have mm-hmm. as few, as least amount of surgeries as possible. Surgeries. So if I knew yeah. I didn't have no, no radiation, then I could put the expanders in the day of the mastectomy. Well, so then what, what had to happen though, is I had to have the biopsy on my lymph nodes done separately first, which is a, not a very invasive surgery. So I had that done on, um, the 11th of June last year. So just over a year ago, um, you go the night before, I think I've heard other people talk about this. They, they inject, um, like nuclear medicine, something, some sort Mm -hmm. of fluid into your, through your nipples. And it kind of leads, it kind of leaks to the, they call it like uh, sentinel node mapping, I think. And that mm-hmm. kind of leaks the fluid to your lymph nodes. And then they know which are the first ones to take. Yep. I'd already had the MRI and they said, we don't think there's anything in lymph nodes. They look good on the MRI. So I felt pretty confident about that. So fast forward. To, I don't, I don't really, I don't really like when they say, I don't think. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I well, need to know that part, you, yeah. you know, for sure. That there's yeah. And then I knew they didn't at the MRI, but I will say, like I said, like, patience. I've, if this experience taught me anything, it was that I can't control things that I can't control and Mm -hmm. like like just to settle in and be patient because I'm, I'm notoriously not a a patient person, but I think I'm much more so now. Um, so I ended up getting the results. I don't know, a few days later, again, of course, that was like, you know, end of the week. So I had to wait through the weekend and it, I did have cancer in, um, one lymph node on my left side. So it was, what they, I can't remember what they called it, like a micro metastasis or something. It was very, very small. Um, but it was only in that one. They didn't have any evidence that had gone beyond that first lymph node. And they took three on each side. There was nothing in the lymph node. So it was, the, was it on the side that you had? Um, yes. The, same the side, side of, as the, where your cancer was. Yeah, okay. So at this, and so now at this point, there's no evidence that there's cancer at all on my right side. There's nothing in my lymph nodes. There's nothing on my breast. So I have, you know, these two tumors and these little foci points and one lymph node now that we found that have cancer. So that pretty much sealed the deal for me. I was like, nope, I'm doing a full mastectomy. Like I'm not going to mess around with it. Just take them off. Um, And I had kind of a rough recovery from, and I don't, looking back, it's like, did I go back to the gym too soon? You know, I, I was probably back at the gym within, I don't know, maybe three days. I didn't use my arms, obviously. <laughs> You're crazy. It wasn't very, She's like, let's wasn't go. Very, like, yeah, I was on like the assault bike and, you know, doing step back, step ups and things like that. Three, but I ended up I getting it was these, like three days. Yeah, I know. Wait. I ended up with these terrible, well, so what happened is we went to this conference for my husband's work, like just a couple of days after I had the, the procedure done. And I ended up, I remember working out while he was in the conference and I had these huge, I didn't even know what they were before. I'd never heard this word, seromas. Mm-hmm. So like these terrible swellings in both of my armpits, like so painful. So I called the hospital and they're like, well, go to your conference. I was just going to be in Detroit. They're like, go to your conference. And if it gets worse, you can drive over here and see us. So by the, then I came back that weekend and we had an Olympic lifting clinic with Chad Vaughn. 
at our gym. They brought the coaches in and Chad had flown in and I tried to participate and I, I just couldn't. I felt like I had the flu. I ended up going into the doctor on Monday, the surgeon's office, and they took out like 150 cc's out of one armpit and 75 out of the other. It was, t- it was awful. Then they immediately filled back up. <laughs> so I had to go back on Wednesday and get them drained again. Um, and then after that, oh, they filled up a little bit, but I, I just said, I'm just going to keep working out because no matter what I do, they keep filling back up. If I rest, they fill up. If I don't rest. So once I got back into the gym and started moving more, I didn't have any more issues after that. I think like not moving maybe was making it collect fluid there. Um, so that was kind of, I would say that was probably worse than the mastectomy, just the pain of those seromas. It was very intense. Um, and there wasn't a lot you could do for it other than drain them, but it was over a weekend. So, um, so yeah, and then that was pretty quiet until I had my mastectomy, which was um, July, no, June 24th. So we've just passed the one year mark. Um, did you have radiation at all? I did after I did. I had it in the fall. You did afterwards. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I had a mastectomy, um, and this is where people are always shocked, but I opted not to reconstruct. Um, so I am what's considered. Did you have a double? Did you do double or just double? Yep. I did did both sides. Um, when I got the results back from the pathology, um, it ended up that there was actually that second tumor that was in my left breast was a different cancer. <laughs> so I go into the office to get my drains out thinking I'm just getting my drains out. And the surgeon comes in and I'm like, well, this can't be good. Cause why would the surgeon come in to take drains out? <laughs> and he said, well, it's a different kind of cancer. So, cause I'm thinking at this point, chemo's off the table. Like I don't have to have chemo, which I was, that was probably my biggest fear. Um, cause all I wanted to do was work out. Like all I wanted to do is get back to normal and coach and work and, you know, take care of my kids. And, um, so then now we're back at now, depending on what kind of cancer that was and the pathology of that now chemo is back on the table. So I was very, my mom had flown into town, um, to help take care of me during my mastectomy. And I was kind of had like a, a pity party of a day, you know, I came home and kind of, I remember getting back and I mean, it's only like three, four, well, I think it was about five days after the surgery. I got my drains out on day five. And so I still was not feeling great anyways, but I kind of just had a pity party day because I mm-hmm. now was, felt like I was backtracking in terms of like making progress because now I might have to have chemo again. I think so, you're allowed to have a pity party day. Yeah. After yeah. Your journey. <laughs> I know. Or, or, or maybe two. a week. <laughs> you know, I think that you're allowed yeah. to have that. <laughs> well, I was just, okay. I think I was angry because I'm like, really? Like, this is never going to end. It was like one test after that. You know what I mean? Like, just the waiting and yeah. the waiting, it just would never end. So, um, got the results back. I think we had to wait like five days or something. And the results came back, and it was a very similar cancer. And you've probably heard other women talk about like the oncotype scoring. So mm-hmm. this, and that's what determines the chemo, the need for chemo. This yeah. oncotype scoring actually was lower than the first one and they had already decided I didn't need it. So that was great news. So now we're, now I felt like, okay, the surgery's over. We're moving forward. You know, I just have to heal. Um, and then I knew radiation would be coming at some point. Um, but I think we waited like six weeks for radiation. So I'm off in the summer. So I was able to kind of heal and I went back to work when I'm due back, which is like, you know. August 10th, somewhere around there, usually with no issues. Um, I mean, my recovery was great. I was back in the gym working out within, I think I went back and coached like as the second coach on the floor, like maybe on day seven or eight after my surgery. 
just kind of walked around. Um, <laughs> You're a wild woman. Well, the thing is, is people think that's crazy, but I didn't have reconstruction. Um, yeah, so and I already had, had the biopsy part done. So that part, I didn't have the pain from that any, that other women will have because it's typically done together. And I didn't have any reconstruction. So it really wasn't that dramatic of a surgery in terms of like, like, like literally just cut your breasts off and then you're just left with, you know, like I didn't even have stitches. I had like, they taped it. Um, so it wasn't you make like it sound so like it sounds like you made it just sound like so you know they just chop your breast off. <laughs> it really was not that painful. I mean, I think I took the once I got the drains out and on the fifth day, I was like golden. Like it was fine. I could move my arms. I washed my own hair. I mean, I was able to move around. My mom was like, "Why am I even here?" She kept yelling at me to stop reaching for glasses in the cupboard and things, but. <laughs> Um, you know, I, like I said, my whole goal through this whole thing was just to get back to working out. Mm -hmm. Like that's all I wanted was to be back in the gym and be back to normal. So healed pretty easily from that surgery. And then, and I really attribute that to just being healthy in general. Like I see a lot, I'm in a lot of different Facebook groups on for like, there's one called flat and fabulous. And there's one called all these different names of women that have opted to stay flat. And it definitely if I can put in a plug for like health, being healthy and being, um, you know, not carrying a lot of extra weight, I think makes healing much, much easier. Um, you know, eating the foods that kind of, you know, sustain that, that kind of healing that has to happen is really important. So I see lots of women where they're like, their wounds don't heal and, and it's, mm -hmm. it, it's sad, but there's definitely a correlation there, I think, um, to like a healthy lifestyle and just being able to to heal better. Um, well, one of the things that we're, so, that one of the things that we've been, I've been hearing from some of our women in our group is just their, um, like, uh, oh my gosh, what is it called? They're the silicone rupturing. So they're having mm -hmm. even problems with their implants. Um, and even just your overall health with implants and a lot of the, um, the, the research is coming out. And, and, yes. The breast. Yes. Yeah. Um, we have a plastic yeah, surgeon on our medical advisory board. And, um, yeah. I didn't want to have to worry about that. I didn't. And I, the thing that for me, the biggest turnoff with the implants was, you know, you go for, you have to have expanders put in and then you have to go, I don't even know exactly how often, but like every two weeks or something. And they, they put fluid in them. So this all happens. Mm -hmm. Actually, I would have had to have radiation anyways, first, then I would have to go back once radiation was done and get the expanders put in. And that, so I would probably just be going through, I would probably still either be getting my expanders filled or just getting things switched out. Um, cause they said it's a, it's a full year process, but because I mm -hmm. opted not to reconstruct, it took off a whole bunch of time because they, you yeah. have to go get them filled all the time. And then you have to have another surgery to swap out the expanders for the implants. Um, and then you have to go usually back for like a revision. And I have, Obviously, every woman has to do what's best for them, but I just knew that that mm -hmm. was not for me. Like, I just was, I don't have the patience for it. I don't, it's just not that big of a deal to me. Um, my husband was super supportive of like, whatever you want to do to get back to normal. Like, it's never really, and I have to be honest, like my breasts weren't that great anyway, because I lost so much weight. <laughs> I lost, have you, you know, all that weight. Have I you done completely. like, have you thought about getting any artwork done on your chest or I, well, I know that there's been totally a few women. Flat. So there is the option at some point if I want to go back and do um, like where they basically take off. So I mean, I don't know if this is too much information, but I think it could be helpful to no, women. There's, that ne there's never, there's never too too much, too information. much information ever. <laughs> so basically like what I, what I have is I have like small, it almost looks like small breasts just with like 
I was joke. It's like a really terrible joke. People are going to think I'm nuts. It looks like my breasts ate my nipples. Like that's what it looks like. Like they're, <laughs> it's just like, they don't, the, the surgeon, the general surgeon who does the surgery is not, his job is not to make your breasts look pretty. His job is to get all the cancer out. So if yeah, I wanted mm-hmm. to, I'm sure I could go to a plastic surgeon and have it made tidier looking, I guess. Um, I just am not willing to do that. So like when I have on a sports bra, like I work out in booty shorts and a sports bra every day, you really can't tell, um, that I, because I have like these small bras and then, you know, if I wear a bra with like the pad, little pads in it that come in it, like it looks totally normal. Um, you're like, I'm fine. This is fine. (laughs) Yeah. That works for me because I'm not willing. I just didn't want to go. I just didn't want to go through all that. So the artwork thing, back to that question, I think, it's, I'm not that flat, if that makes sense. Like it's mm-hmm. not a nice, smooth surface. Like you see some women, like when they, when they look like that, they've had to have surgery to make to it look make that it look smooth. Like and I don't really want to do that. I don't think so. I mean, I have a lot, I have other tattoos, but I'm not, um, I don't know that that's something I'll ever do because I just, I don't see myself having any more surgeries if I don't have to. So, yeah. Yeah. How did so your, I, you know, how I did your, um, want women, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I'm like, we have like a little delay, huh? We don't normally have a little delay. Yeah. You, you do want one. No, go, go finish with that. Cause I was going to ask you a different question, but, um, I was what do you want women to, I, I think women, um, need to know that like implants don't have to be the way you go. Like it's absolutely okay to opt not to do reconstruction. And in some ways is a much easier road to normal. Um, and if it's something like that is going to make you always feel like something's wrong with you, then absolutely go for it. But if you are really just concerned about getting back to normal and you're not overly, you know, I don't want to say overly focused because I don't want women to think that it's bad. Like, it's not a bad thing to be focused on that. But for me, it just didn't matter that much. I was more concerned about just getting back in the gym. Um, and But that's absolutely an option that, like, doctors don't really talk to you about. I kind of had to I kind of came across that information on my own. And so then I, and nobody's ever questioned it. I've never had a doctor say, I can't believe you're not doing it. You know, they just, but I do warn them when there's new, cause it's a teaching hospital when there's new doctors in the room or young students, I just go, well, just, you know, cause it's not pretty. It doesn't look good. Um, but it, it's what I want. It just works for me. I just didn't want any more surgeries. So. Well, I think that, I think that the, the biggest takeaway on that is you can always get implants late. Like Mm -hmm. if you, it will always be an option. (laughs) Like, and and even allowing women the time to consider it and live flat chested and see if it's something that they're comfortable with. And I think that, you know, you speaking out about it, because I, I honestly think that when it comes to treatment, there's this almost like a protocol that oncologists go through. It's like, okay, here's the seven steps. And right. after this, and you do this, and, and all these decisions have to be made so quickly, where this could be a decision where it's like, you don't need to make it right away. If you want to live flat for two years, and then you're uncomfortable yep. with it, you can always get implants. Like they will right. always be an option and for I just, you. I don't think like looking at like the things we do in CrossFit, I don't think they would have helped me. <laughs> That's for sure. Like I feel like they it would have just, yeah, Maybe I feel like it would have made, I don't know. yeah, it would have made things <laughs> harder for me. So, um, yeah. And so I went into, um, radiation started September 25th. Um, right in the middle of that is when we started, we decided we would open our own gym. So I was literally like going through radiation and going to our gym and painting and 
setting up a space and ordering equipment and all of these crazy things. Um, I finished, we did our grand opening on November 2nd and my last radiation treatment was November 4th. Um, and that's where I left off. So I take tamoxifen, I go and get a Zolodex shot, um, every month. So they put me in menopause. Um, and that's been a little tough, um, physically. I am struggling a little bit with that. Um, Mm -hmm. but certainly worth the side effects. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel great other than, you know, just like the hot flashes and things like that, but I'm very lucky. Um, I don't think I could have asked for a better, um, outcome for me personally. I know that, like I said, women, some women would look at my chest and just be horrified, but I, I just, it just works for me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. How, um, how did your daughters handle, you know, all the um, treatments and the news of it? And there were some tears at first because we told them the day we found out, um, there was, yeah, there were some tears. Um, it's so, it worked out really strangely because my mom happened to be flying in from Tennessee to stay with my girls while we went for that wedding. So my mom just happened to be coming into town too. So she was here when we told my oldest daughter, um, she was pretty upset. Um, but I think when they, you know, as we got information and we shared it with them, they saw that it was really just, you know, a blip getting through this, this stuff. So, um, you know, they, they handled it really well. I mean, they were old enough to understand, which I think helps, you know, if you have younger kids, I think it's probably a little more difficult, but we shared all of Mm -hmm. the information with them. Every time we got a test result, every time I made a decision, um, they knew, you know, I came home the day of the surgery. They don't keep you in the hospital up here. So I was back home from, from the surgery by one 30, um, the day I had it. And, you know, so I think it helped them to see, and then I worked through my radiation and everything. So I, sometimes I think everybody just kind of forgot about it, which was fine with me. (laughs) I worked out, I worked, I coached, I worked out, I, I, you know, did all my own. I, there was very few days where I did not work out, um, at the gym. I scaled a few workouts, but I was even able to keep, um, most of the stuff like RX. So it was just a little bit tired, but it wasn't terrible. I finally had to, I think at the very end, I think the last like 10 days I had to stop because my skin reacted pretty poorly. So I, the doctor was like, yeah, no more, no more working out for you because your skin's coming off in pieces. So, so you get, so you get through, you get through cancer (laughs) treatments, you open up your own gym and Mm -hmm. then COVID hits. And then COVID hits. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Like a year from from outer space. (laughs) It's like, like, this is going to be a better year. So I I mean, I can't say enough about our community. (laughs) It's our community has been fabulous. We did not lose very many members. Um, throughout the, the course of all of this. Um, and some of the ones that we have lost have since been back um, because we are allowed to work out outside in Michigan. So, um, and we actually just signed up another member. We signed up like four in the last week. So we are really, oh. really, really proud of um, what we've built. And we're really proud of our community. Like they, Every day we had three classes for Zoom, you know, Zoom workouts. And every day we had people sign on for every class. I mean, it was just so cool to see. And they were thankful to us, but like we were so thankful to them for staying committed to us and through the process. And um, because I I said my husband works for the school district. So we kind of had, I don't want to say inside information because it wasn't, but he kept saying to us, you guys are going to get shut down. You're going to get shut Mm -hmm. down. And we were like, really? You think? 
oh yeah, you're going to get shut down. So we were prepared. They shut us down whatever day it was. We had our last class that night and we were ready with Zoom classes at 8.30 the next morning um, because we were anticipating that that would happen. Mm -hmm. So it was a pretty seamless transition in terms of being able to offer something still to keep our members engaged. Um, But we have the best community. Like we are just thrilled. I I just love everybody at our gym. I mean, I think we're up to somewhere just above 70. Um, I don't know where we would be had it not been for COVID, but, um, you know, we were, it's about where we were when, when this all hit. So we're, we're doing okay. It's not great. We can't advertise and we can't, you know, over the course of, um, the COVID thing, Zach, my partner, Zach and I, um, both got our weightlifting certs from, um, Mike Bergner cause he did an online one. So we're ready to get some things going, gymnastics classes mm-hmm. and weightlifting and things when we reopen. So it's kind of a bummer that we're not reopened yet, but we have some things in the works. So it's been the fact that just listening to your journey and your story and that you found your love for fitness and health and you held on to that through going through all that you have. And then on top of that, while you're going through what you have, you're now giving the gift of that to others. Mm-hmm. Just is inspiring and is amazing. And do you feel that that passion, that purpose that you have found really helped you to move forward through this journey and those goals that you have set for yourself? I think so. I think being like fitness is absolutely something I found later and, and being um, committed to that. But it also was a huge release, you know, stress relief for me because it literally, I was listening to the um, Ben Bergeron's podcast yesterday He was talking about how, you know, CrossFit's like the great equalizer, basically. And when you come in that gym, it doesn't matter what you have going on at home. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. Nobody cares who you are. Nobody cares what you do. They Mm -hmm. only care how hard you're willing to work. Um, and, and, And you can't really, there's no space in your head to think about everything else that's going on in your life when you're really working one of those terrible workouts. Like it really can push every other thought out of your head. Um, and you only are focusing Mm -hmm. on what you're doing in that moment. And I think that was huge for me because it was such a stress reliever to be able to go in there and kind of escape, um, all of the decisions and the, you know, appointments and fears and all of that. Um, I could still do that every single day and coaching. I mean, coaching, um, at the gym we were at previously and then in our own space, like it's just, it's such a, like people go, Oh, thank you for providing this. I'm like, really like they are providing something to me. Like they're giving me the biggest gift in life by being a part of our gym. It's not us giving something to them. It's them giving something to us. Um, it's kind of surreal to look around sometimes and see people and be like, like, this is the coolest thing. I I tell people it's like the coolest thing I've ever done. I think to have built a a place where people can come and and be a part of something. I mean, we're so, I just feel like the luckiest person in the world. So hard to get it's out of bed at four in the morning yeah. to go coach. But. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> 5 a.m. classes are for nobody. Uh, no, it's a great right. perspective. And I think that, um, I think that when we work out, whether, you know, your training is, you know, crossfitting or weightlifting or running or whatever it is that you do for that, you know, time, I feel like it's for me at least, is the one time in the day where I'm the most present in the moment Mm -hmm. of like, 
nothing else because I can be in a meeting and I'm thinking about 20 other things happening or, you know, the next meeting I'm having and am I ready for it? Or oh, th- what is my son doing? And what time do I need to get like, you know, our heads, right. especially as women, moms, are, they're like, there's a thousand things happening in our brains. And when I'm training or when I'm in the gym, it's like, it's almost like nothing else matters. Just that moment, picking up the barbell or doing whatever it, that's to me is the closest I can get to being present. In, in Absolutely. My days. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, sometimes you want to escape what's happening in the workout because it's so terrible, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there is no, there really is no space for anything else in my head at that time. So it was, yeah. you know, and then the benefits of, of just the physical benefits of that, you know, like I said, I, I think I healed mm-hmm. really fast from my surgery because I was in such good shape before I, before I had the surgeries. Um, but so, you know, if we can, give that gift of like, of having a place where people can come and, and be a part of something and, um, build their health. And, you know, I mean, we love everybody that comes in the door. Um, I, that's like, if I can leave a legacy any for anything, it's that, that, you know, this is what, um, we just wanted a place where people are comfortable and, can be a part of something, you know, and, and get healthier in the process. I mean, we have, we have the best time. I'm telling you, like we have the best time. We do free beer Friday, every Friday night. And I, I'll tell you what, like we, (laughs) we have have the best time. So we start, you know, everybody, we have like a four o'clock and then a five 30 and a six 30 and everybody starts drinking when they're done working out. And we'll stay, we stay there every Friday till like 10 30, just hanging out. Like they're all our best friends. I mean, we just have, the best time and everybody is a part of it. People bring their friends to come and hang out with us that aren't even part of the gym. And so then they'll, sometimes people will join from that. I mean, it's just, it really is like a family. Um, I just feel like the luckiest person in the world. I have the best partner. He's, it's kind of crazy cause he's young. He's only like 28. So, um, but he's a former Marine. Um, and for two seconds, I thought you were talking about your husband. I was like, your husband, no, he, he must have been 10 when like, you guys are coaching together. <laughs> no, no, my husband actually does not coach. Um, they jokingly call him. So one of my friends, um, you met her, Keisha, Casey. Um, yep. Call, they, they said, she jokingly called him the mayor because he's not technically the owner, but he's always there doing stuff and working out and- <laughs> So now he, they call him the mayor. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody comes in and hangs out and has a good time. And, and I just, it's, it's the coolest thing I've ever done for sure. So that's amazing. And how did you, how did you find barbell? How did you find barbells for boobs? So I already had been following your page, um, before I was diagnosed. I think I just probably came across it one day and thought, Oh, this is cool and followed it. So um, when I was diagnosed, my husband came home, I said that day, and we went to Tim Hortons to get coffee. And he was on the phone with somebody at work. And I remember going through and, and that day, the day that I was diagnosed, joining like the page for the survivors or the, you know, what do you guys call that part? The RAD the support collective? group? RAD support group. The support oh, group part oh, on Facebook. Yeah, the yeah. support group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I joined that that day um, that I was diagnosed and just started kind of following Um and, I love you know, you're not the first you're not the first woman that joined like that was the first thing they did was join our support group like hearing women's stories and hearing that we were a priority in that diagnosis phase of looking for support is mm-hmm. so humbling for us mm-hmm. like it's and so think, incredible 
like there's, I've no other women that have had breast cancer, obviously in my life, but I didn't know anybody else that was a CrossFitter and was going through mm-hmm. breast cancer treatment. Um, now you and got I a wanted, whole crew of them. <laughs> yeah. Right. You got a whole but, you know, that crew. was of course my first thought was like, I'm not going to be able to work out and I can't, that can't be. And so it was really cool to be able to see women that were still working out, that were still, mm-hmm. you know, healthy under the circumstances and doing, um, you know, doing what they could do to still stay, be a part of their, their gym communities. So, um, but yeah, that's, I had already been following it. And, and now I think I have every t-shirt and everything that you make. <laughs> <laughs> every new shirt comes out. Oh, got to order that one. So. Uh, I All think right. that we're going to be working on a, uh, a, uh, shirt subscription, but oh, just rumors. I love that. Like a, I've, I've yeah. some, there's so many rumors. Everyone just calls me the mayor here. Yeah, no, she's <laughs> definitely the mayor here at Barbells for Boobs. She's the boss lady. Yeah, that's a great idea, though. I would totally yeah. be into that. More, you can't ever have so, too many CrossFit t-shirts. No, our, bo- our boobs t-shirts. Our boobs. Right. <laughs> My son's like, do you have any more boob t-shirts? I was like, yep, more's coming. Just wait, sir. Yep. I know. I can wear one every day of the week. Yeah. <laughs> and more. More weeks, several and weeks, more. Probably. Watch me. <laughs> so, Stephanie, tell us what was your biggest lesson from breast cancer? Oh, um, I would say that I think when you can get through something like a cancer diagnosis and get at, come out the other side, it just makes things that you thought were a big deal seem like not such a big deal. It hmm. really teaches you how to put things in perspective. Um, you know, we're all, we all know that we're going to die someday. Um, mm-hmm. But when that diagnosis is put on the table, um, it really brings it home in a way that um, I think most people don't think about, you know, it's easy to push it out of your head. And so it's, it really just, made me more, um, I think it made me more patient. I think it made me more, um, maybe more compassionate with other people. Um, because I knew what I was dealing with and, and people that saw me walking down the street probably would have never known that I was going through any sort of treatment. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, I mean, I think if you can get through a cancer treatment, there probably isn't a whole lot that that you could throw at me that I couldn't handle. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Speak to me. Come Speak at me, me, bro. Come at me, yep. COVID. Yep. I, I, I mean, honestly, like, it really did. Like, I mean, it's been terrible, but like in terms of like terrible, so terrible that I can't function or that I'm going to, no, I mean, there's, I've definitely been through worse. So, um, you know, we're just taking the I COVID think, thing day uh, by day. Well, I, yeah, I think that what uh, I think that the thing that a cancer diagnosis really brings to you is accepting the unknown and embracing mm-hmm. it. That's like I feel like the consistent thing is there's so much out of your control that it has to make you focus on the things Ooh. you do have control over, like and your health, I think- your attitude, how you handle, you know, like how you mother, like you only have an ability to focus on the things you can't control because cancer is so uncontrollable. And there's really only one way and that's to go through it. 
Like there was no part mm. of this that I could skip. I couldn't say, well, I don't want to do radiation or I don't want to have this surgery done. Like you have to get through each piece to get to the next piece. And so it's like, it's like, it a, really, it's like being a mom, like, I don't want to go yeah. through teething. <laughs> can we skip? Like, I don't want to go we, through the teenage years. Can we skip years? potty yeah. training? <laughs> but you just kind of like, gotta go through it all. <laughs> you really just kind of have to full, like just barrel your way through it. Like I'm just going to mm-hmm. keep on getting up every day and keep on doing what I got to do to get to the next piece because the only way to the end is to go through it. Um, mm. And I had Mm -hmm. some, you know, great support systems. My husband was fabulous. My friends were fabulous. But I also felt like it was, you know, again, because I was healthy, I think for the most part, it was pretty tolerable, um, the whole experience. So, you know, I I think it could have, I feel very grateful that I had the the experience and the the treatments that I did, because I do think um, it could have certainly been more difficult than it was. Um, and so I'm grateful for that. And I'm thankful for that. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Just such a, such great perspective, and, great attitude. Yeah. And what was attitude. the quote that your husband said? It's just a blimp <laughs> of your oh, life. Of the, your life. The, the doctor, he said, this will be a blip on the, oh. blip on the screen of your, or the story of your life. I think he said, this will be a blip in the story of your life. Um, I'm it's not sure I'm to I'm the blip away point today. yet. <laughs> I'm almost to the blip <laughs> point. <laughs> You're all not there Still just kinda, yet, but almost. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it does seem like a million years ago in one respect, but, um, you know, like I'm in physical therapy right now for my radiated shoulder because I've had some issues with, um, you know, just like scar tissue and things like that. So, you know, but again, in the big picture of life, like not that big of a deal. Um, I'm still able to do all my workouts and everything. It's just, I'm trying to kind of get in front of what could potentially happen if I don't take care of it now. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, things like that, you know, the side effects from the medication that, and and other women experience the same things. Um, Sleep is kind of a elusive thing right now. Um, But, you know, again, so many more things to be thankful for than to focus on those few things that are, you know, just not that big of a deal. So. Mm. Well, you just dropped a bunch of knowledge bombs Boom. on the podcast. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Boom. And she was nervous. That she, I was <laughs> yeah, like, nervous. Wow, you got this. That, yeah. Is there anything else oh, you'd like you. to share? Anything that you can think that maybe we didn't cover or you want to make sure that people hear from you? No, I, I just would, you know, if women hear this and they are um, curious about, um, you know, that the, any questions about treatment, obviously, I'm, I'm pretty willing to talk with anybody about it, um, or, you know, about staying flat and not having to go through the surgeries. Um, Mm. I'm more than happy to, to talk with women on Facebook if they want to message me or something, because I don't think that, um, most doctors present that as an option. I honestly don't remember how I found out about that as an option. I think I just kind of fell across something on the internet probably, and then started doing a little bit of digging on my own. Um, and I think it, it can be a good option for a lot of women. Um, so, you know, that would be something that I'd be more than happy to talk to other women about if they're curious and just kind of share my experiences and fears and good and bad and all that. So there are definitely downfalls awesome. to, you know, clothing sometimes can be a little tricky, things like that. <laughs> so it's not all perfect, but it still was the right choice for me. 
Where can everyone find you? I know you're on Instagram. Can you share your Instagram yep. handle um, so they can contact you, you know about what? how to be flat? <laughs> what is my Instagram handle? I don't even know. Let me look. That's but I definitely I have your. It's just S T E F. Steph McLeod. S T E F M C L E O D is my Instagram name. And then on Facebook, I'm Stephanie Riley McLeod. Boom. There you have it. And Stephanie is yep. with an get all your flat. Get, oh. all your, get all your flat questions mm-hmm. <laughs> sent over. Mm-hmm. And I'll keep your, I'll, I will definitely keep you in my thoughts when I talk to other mm-hmm. women in our community and just mm-hmm. connect you with them too. So I appreciate you for that. That's, that's a huge resource. Yeah, thank that's, you. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because in topic. this group, I don't know that I've come across any other women in, in the Barbells for Boobs groups that have opted to stay flat. They're probably there. Um, I just haven't come across any yet. But I'm in so many other different Facebook groups where like everybody's flat that it almost seems normal to me now. Like it seems mm-hmm. like that's what everybody does because those pages are super active and everybody's talking every day. So I'm like kind of surprised when I don't know other women that have opted to do that. But I know it's not as common as, I, as it seems to me, but... It's certainly a good option for some women. I feel like we have one other woman in our group. I know she did a huge like flat campaign. Uh, yeah, there's to gotta be. To, I just don't. Yeah, there is. There is. I forget her name, yeah. but I'll make sure you get connected with her and she's another. I think it is a great resource and a great a topic. Great resource. And mm-hmm. something that women just need to feel empowered to do mm-hmm. and know that they're not alone in that making that decision and that it's not weird to not want boobs. And we have, we have a lot of new women coming into our group that are still going through the process of treatment. And Mm -hmm. so to be able to have that option to talk to another, you know, woman about it, I think is Mm -hmm. so important. So they know they're not alone in this journey too. So trust me, your mind is now in the back of my head for every introduction (laughs) call I have. They have that coming up. Sure. And then being on the other side completely, you know, like I didn't know what I would feel mm-hmm. like. Um, I was nervous. You know, I made the really stupid mistake the night before my mastectomy of looking at mastectomy pictures where they didn't do reconstruction, which was not smart on my part. I wouldn't recommend that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, being on the other side now, like I really can, I mean, they're, for me, it's mostly a positive experience. It's very rare that I even think about it, to be honest. Like it's not, it's just not, I mean, my wardrobe works with it. I didn't really have to get rid of anything. It's really like, I, I would say my biggest struggle has probably been I, finding bathing suit tops this year. But even that, I was able to find bathing suit tops that work. And um, so it's not been, it's it's certainly a very good option for women if it's not, if you just don't want to deal with all of the, the surgeries. So, but well, I think, I think that for our, I think it's a good topic for our community because we do have such physically active women in our mm-hmm. community. And mm-hmm. I do think that that could be a really good option for women that are so conscious of their physical activity and fitness. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I think, you know, we're, we're athletes. And so, uh, I don't think it's yeah, as because I don't important. know what it would be like, like, you know, I was able to get back to pull-ups and things within like a month. And again, I didn't have the reconstruction. So, and I didn't have the, the, I had the biopsy stuff done early, but I think I was back on the rig within like four, four to five weeks. Um, and I think that like, if I would have had the expanders and all of that put in, I don't know that I would have mm-hmm. been on that rig at all during any of that time, no. um, or doing push-ups or, you know, I don't know how that would even work. So 
for me, those were the things I was like so excited to be able to do those things that I'd worked so hard for that I was not willing to give those things up. So you're like, no, 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 no. Those are mine. Yeah. Sorry, boobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to have yep. to just. They, like I said, they weren't you're gonna big. You're going to have to be a TBT. <laughs> yeah. They weren't big and they weren't great. So it wasn't like I had to replace these giant boobs. But, um, and that's, yeah, and that's a real, like, and that's real. Like women are like, I loved my breasts. Like really, oh, you sure. know, there's, there's boob women out there. They're like, no, I want nice big bosoms, you know, boobs. Yeah. One of the women that <laughs> I talked to, <laughs> one of my friends on her first, like I was, she was one of my first phone calls when I was diagnosed. She said she had a, she only had a lumpectomy and she said she had a really hard time because she loved her breasts. And so she mm-hmm. just did not want to have that mastectomy done where I never felt that way. So it was really a pretty easy decision for me to, um, you know, there, there isn't necessarily a great sense of peace of mind that I think ever goes with this diagnosis. It's always going to be in the back of my mind, but it definitely, um, takes away some of that worry, especially when I found out that that was a different kind of cancer in my breast. In one breast, I already had two types of cancer. I was so relieved that I had just opted to take the other one off. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't, it just makes it that much less worrying that I need to do. So, yeah. Wow. There you got it. There you go. (laughs) Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And, um, you know, just again, bringing such a, uh, an important topic to the surface for our community. I think it's, uh, I think that we'll, I want to continue to have this conversation about being flat. I Mm -hmm. think it's a great, great Mm -hmm. conversation. So, uh, thank you for sharing. Any, any, anything, Keisha? Come on, Keisha. I'm just grateful that I got to be on this, and that that <laughs> you, you know it's my first time too. So I'm so happy that we did this together. We got, it, we got through it. Yeah, it was great. We got through it, and, and, and to hear your story again has been incredible. awesome. The lesson today, everyone, is to get to the finish line. You gotta go through the race. Boom. <laughs> you gotta yep. go through. And you gotta don't wait till go you're 43 it. to get your first mammogram. Get your first and mammogram soon. Yeah, that was not my best choice in life. <laughs> and if you need help finding so. one, you know to call us. Yes, call <laughs> Barbells yeah. for Boots at Barbells for Boots. Well, thank yep. you, Stephanie. Thank you, Keisha, for co-hosting. Thank you. That is thank lights you, out. Awesome. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. And that is lights out for Behind the Brawl Podcast. Don't.